Welcome to the Binge Your Bum podcast with Ellen Sherman and Gillian Gordon. It's like, I really am looking for sweater weather shows. You know. Sweater weather shows. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a whole phrase. It's a genre. Didn't you know? Just, just for the audience, sweater weather shows. Sweater weather. So this is a comfort show. It's yeah. like I think it's cozy, cozy, cozy shows. Think it's dark but cozy. Sweater weather shows. Okay, very good. Hi, hi. Welcome to Binge Your Bomb. My name's Gillian Gordon, and here's my co-host, Ellen Sherman, Hi. writer, director, actress. We've got a great show today. Today we're going to be talking about Prisoners of War, which you can find on Apple TV and on Prime Video. Right. It's an incredible Israeli series, which aired in 2010 and 12. Prisoners of War became Homeland, right? Exactly. In this episode, we're going to talk about another series that came from a series from another country. Which is Bad Sisters. Bad Sisters, exactly. So we've got Bad Sisters, which came from a Belgian show, which is now an Irish show. Right. And we've got Tehran, which is an Israeli show. That's right. right. But set in Iran. Set in Iran. All over the globe. Prisoners of War uh, is a story about three Israeli soldiers, and they have all been in captivity or presumed dead in Syria for 17 years, as opposed to Homeland, where it was only just a couple of years. And they're presumed dead. But after 17 years, they are returned home. Two of the prisoners are returned home. And, and one comes home in a coffin. Right? Yeah, exactly. One comes home in a coffin. And their reentry into Israel disrupts their lives and the lives of everybody around them. And the prisoners were three guys, Nimrod, Yuri, and the missing Amiel. Nimrod comes home to his wife, who's made it her mission to make sure the nation never forgot him and his fellow prisoners. Yuri comes home to his wife, Narit, who had mourned him from the beginning, but wound up marrying his brother. Whoa. Whoa. And as the series progresses, all of these relationships splinter apart as those who left and those who were left behind struggle to find a new way to live when these two soldiers are brought back home after 17 years. Oh, my dad was a prisoner of war for four Amazing. and a half years. Amazing. Wow. Um, of the Japanese. Obviously, I didn't know him. And we must explain, you know, that uh, Amiel, the third soldier, as uh, Gillian was saying, is brought back in a coffin. And his sister's Or the, so we think. So we think, you know, or remains of somebody are brought back in the coffin. And his sister is left to kind of mourn him. Because, you know, there's all the celebration about the other two guys coming home and she's kind of left out in the dark. And also, I might add, these guys have become major stars. Huge I mean, heroes, their pictures right. are on posters all over the city, on the sides of buses. In Prisoners of War, these uh, two guys come home and immediately military intelligence takes them in to sort of debrief them. Right. And the two sto- soldiers maintain stories of like torture over the years and of witnessing their third soldier's uh, death, Emil, his name is. Yet something strange, when they stay overnight at the interrogation center, they're watching a camera and their interrogators spot something very odd, which leads them to believe that they're hiding something. And I won't tell you what it is because I thought it was one of the great like little moments. It just, I even it's get like a chill. It's like a secret language. That's, yes. We can say that, right? It's a secret language, but it gives me a chill not even thinking. I thought it was such a fabulous mm. moment. Anyway, the worst suspicion is that they had, that there's a Stockholm syndrome at work and that right. they are one or both were working with the Syrians, but how close did they get to their captors? What, and what really happened to Emil? Because the third guy, because we don't really know. Eventually Emil's fate is revealed which ticks up the action to another level, which is why we have a great second season. I think the thing that I liked about the show too, and I think why it's really worth watching is that it never panders to the audience. It always assumes that you're intelligent and it helps you. It 
it doesn't force you to put the pieces together. It helps you put the pieces together, but it allows you to put well, the pieces together. Well, I think together. we're all on the journey together. And then the, the Stockholm Syndrome side of it. So one of them does become a Muslim. And also, you know, you can imagine, like, if you were in that setting and said, you know, actually, you would take religion on my, I think that was one of the things I learned from my father. You become religious because it's the only way you can keep from going mad. However, come on, we got to say, this is a great thriller. In India, it was adapted into 110 episode TV series. And in Russia, it's been adapted into uh, the TV series Rodina, which was done in 2015. So it never stops. Although I must say, a little caveat here the series was not without controversy that it was actually criticized when it came out by a couple of the one of the families of of the actual soldiers that had of course it is held held prisoner saying that they thought that it encouraged the capture of prisoners so i don't understand what that is but all anything that's really this good you know winds up having some controversy around it i think at the end of the day i gave it a huge uh and really urge you all to watch it binge and you? It is really worth just sitting down and giving yourself the pleasure of watching it. So it's a big binge for me. Next up, the Irish black comedy, Bad Sisters. And who by fire, who by water, who in the sunshine, who in Bad the Sisters which is based on the Belgian series Clan, was created by Sharon O'Horgan, an Irish writer-performer who was behind the very popular series Catastrophe and now also stars in this series. This series, so far as one season, is a deeply dark, deeply funny, for me, series about how four sisters set about to free the fifth sister from an emotionally and mentally abusive marriage. And, by the way, to exact revenge on their charming, handsome, and really sociopathic. Charming? No, not charming. Oh, well, you can <laughs> handsome and sociopathic brother-in-law, but the havoc he has wrecked not only on their sister's life, but on theirs, because he's caused one sister to lose an eye, another he's blackmailed, and another has problems at work that he's caused, and he's financially screwed up another. So he is one really amazingly bad dude. This delicious black comedy starts with the brother-in-law in a coffin. So he is dead. <laughs> uh, but how did he wind up there? That's what a team of feckless insurance investigators desperately want to know. As paying out on his policy, he's going to bankrupt them. But as they delve into this questionably accidental death, we're treated to clever flashbacks into the lives of the four sisters as over the past mu- a few months, each have, with the help of the other three, tried to kill their horrible brother-in-law. On one hand, to free their beloved fifth sister from this charming abuser, but also, let's face it, to exact revenge on all he's done to each of them. And this is a very tight-knit clan of sisters. I loved this series. I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, really. You too, It was really refreshing also, again, to see Irish actors, and maybe people don't realize, but, you know, Sharon O'Horgan and Eve Houston plays Becca, Eve... Eva Bert Hissel's Ursula, Sarah Green's BB. Well, Anne Marie Duff's the only English one who plays the the abused wife. The Grace, right? Grace. Um, and then of course Klaus Bang, who's Danish, who's just too good looking. And, and, yeah, and Klaus, yeah. Klaus Bang is like the breakout star of the series. This horrible sociopathic guy. You know, you think, oh my God, he's so attractive, but no, he can't be such a jerk. Oh no, he wouldn't do that. 
but then he does. He's horrible. <laughs> he, he sabotages oh everything. God. I mean, and and his lovely neighbor ruins his life. He he he, and he snaps at Ursula's son who has Down syndrome. <laughs> well, I mean, there's it, that's what's that's what's so delicious about that. There's nothing that's off limits to like snap at somebody with a disability is right in his skill set. He he's he is a cartoonish villain, but he also is so much fun to watch, isn't yeah. he? And I think, I think no, I think it's so funny when they open with the 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 coffin open, and there's this little tumescence in his pajama pants, <laughs> and BB says the dead prick. <laughs> anyway, that's how we open. So we're no, we're no, we're in for a really good ride. Uh, I particularly like. I mean, it it does have a kind of arsenic and old lace, oh, and we have these like crazy. Um, you know, insurance adjusters who are really the comic kind of comic, right. more comic relief. I must say the insurance investigator part of it was the least interesting to me. However, when you think about the series without it, it doesn't work. No, because they, so they actually guide the plot. Yeah. Um, it's not just about four sisters trying to sort of free their fifth sister from an abusive relationship. It's about the, you know, the backstory of the brother-in-law's mother, what's happened to his father, his history of being an absolutely crazy sociopathic but acceptable person in the community, which makes it wonderful to watch. Of course, there's lots of flashbacks and they all work brilliantly. And you hate flashbacks. And I hate flashbacks. But this was done, I, how did you, I thought this was done really well. The whole execution of it was done incredibly well. And you don't mind being played with, do you? You don't mind the fact that they hold back how he actually died. We don't even, we don't find out until the last episode, do we? And then, then I just want to get a gun and go down to Apple TV because they only released it on a weekly basis. And we're like all going crazy. When's the next one coming? I know, I know. Um, Well, I mean, that's the, uh, you know. Drip feed. Yeah, the drip. I mean, that's what keeps you coming back. So, you know, that's, that's part, that's part of the world as we know it now. What do you think? Oh my God. If there ever was a binge, this is a binge. It's a binge and we're looking forward to season two. Coming up next, Tehran. Tehran is a Israeli series on Apple TV, which is mostly where you can find it. There's been two seasons of it, 2020 up to just a few minutes ago. It won an Emmy for Best Drama Series. I mean, the first Israeli Emmy ever, which is really interesting. Um, Yeah, by the writer Moshe Zonder. And he's the guy who wrote Fauda, our favorite, favorite show. I did not know that. Oh, it's one of my favorite shows. Me too. If you haven't seen Fauda, watch Fauda. The premise of Tehran is that a hacker Mossad agent is smuggled into her place of birth, Iran, and it all goes pear-shaped. This is a tense, fast-paced thriller. It is very watchable. Protagonist Tamar Rabinian, who's played stunningly by by the most gorgeous girl, Neve Sultan, um, is a young Jewish woman born in Iran, but raised in Israel. She is a Mossad agent and a, and a computer hacker on an undercover mission in the Iranian capital to disable a nuclear reactor. And her objective is neutralizing this, you know, electrical system, which is the Iranian air defenses, uh, then the Israeli Air Force is going to come in and bomb the nuclear plant. I mean, it's 
pretty crazy plot, but it 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 does work. It's believable. When her mission fails, she is trapped in a new life and goes rogue. She's planning an operation that then places her loved ones in jeopardy. Tamar, having left Iran at six, goes to see her aunt. She connects with a hacker pro-democracy activist, Milad. And meanwhile, she's hunted by Faraz Kamali, who's the head of investigations, kind of like almost like the CIA head, isn't he? Exactly. And that character is played by absolutely brilliantly oh. by Sean Tobe. In some ways, it's almost Sean Tobe's show. Yeah. You'll recognize him too. He's Iranian and he's been in a lot of incredible TV series. In season two, the plot thickens. Things get worse and Tamar is still on the ground trying to deal with all the issues that she's supposed to deal with. Uh, Glenn Close turns up <laughs> as a psychoanalyst uh, working for Mossad. And she guides or tries to guide Tar- Tamar, who is, you know, becoming more and more rogue as, as the season goes on. She attempts to kill a very important general with a booby trap phone and then she gets into so even deeper, <laughs> deeper, deeper doo-doo, really. Um, and, and, and actually, you know, it's extraordinary how Tamar messes up. And Mossad seems to put up with it. Well, no problem. The problem is season two, quite frankly. I, I think uh, we understand what's going on in season one. We have a rogue agent there. And she has a very specific task. Yeah, and she fails at that task. She does She does some things right. I mean, we're not saying that she's but incompetent. Yeah, but the problem is in season two, she chooses to stay in Iran because she feels right around. And she's kind of fallen in love with a hacker, yeah. hasn't she? But she feels that she hasn't accomplished what she needed to accomplish. It's true. It's and true. so season two goes, to me, off the boards. There's Glenn Close. She is so inauthentic uh, and so wrong for this. Yeah, but why? Tell, explain to this to me, everybody out there. Please send us letters. Uh, Bingerbomb, yeah. yeah. gmail.com. Thank you. Why do producers feel that they have to inject an American actor into a series? Is that not pandering? Pandering or racist yes. or something? I mean, how, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, what, Americans aren't smart enough? To watch a TV short series where everybody's from Israel or Iran? This, is, this thing succeeded for the first season. Why do producers think that they're going to get a bigger audience by putting in a star like Glenn Close, who I'm sorry, you know, people that are 27, year old, 27 years old don't even know who she is. No, but I mean, look, you know, she's also, not she's terrible not, casting for the part. Also, she's not good in the role. That's no, the not. bottom line. She's I don't not. care how whether she's a B-list, C-list, A-list star. She's not good in the role. And also, in season two, for me, they stick in these elements like crazy rich Asians. There's crazy rich Tyrannians. You know, there's a lot of way too many parties at rich people's houses. Yeah, and, I agree. But I mean, I, just to go back to Glenn Cuss, because look, she is a great actress who not is, yeah. you know, is 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 put into this situation. And again, I think it's a kind of cynical perspective, either from the studio. I don't know who comes up with these ideas. But anyway, just to go back to the series, the first season is stunning, Great. I think, and really works. Stand a great thriller. Second series, there's wonderful thriller elements that are really exciting. Again, a great cast, particularly following uh, the the Sean Tobe character, you know, Faraz, oh, yeah, who's right, the yeah. head of investigations, is completely fascinating because 
his family is brought into it and his wife but, who's ha- who's been you know she was kidnapped yeah. by the israelis yeah gives a kind of layers of pride and anger and ex- exasperation and, and compassion and, yeah. and he loves his wife i mean there's there's a lot of great stuff in this but but the bottom line is if you for me if you watch season 1 you got a really good nugget there. When you watch season two, all of a sudden, every time Glenn Close came on, it was like, meh. I know. It was just, it was wrong. It made me feel like I was watching some kind of, you know, cheesy American version of a series. I mean, I don't feel as strongly as you do about it. I mean, I did find it completely wrong. I mean, at least in season two, Tamar, the beautiful Neve Sultan gets out of her gray hijab <laughs> and wears some really hot clothes yeah, to the stupid the- parties. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know what I also really liked about it? There's dialogue in Hebrew, Farsi, yes, and yeah, English. I mean, no wonder it won the best drama at the Emmys. Sure. The look of it, the style of it, the way that it's shot. I mean, Sultan doesn't have Tob's resources and as an actor, the girl who plays who plays Tamar, but she is really appealing and actually is a, is such a flawed agent that I thought it was sort of refreshing. I, I didn't understand her, her compulsion to go against her, you know, her superiors yeah, and stay un, ex, totally exposed in Tehran. But I, I thought that this was an attempt to create a, a woman character who is, does is beautiful, is screwed up, falls in love with the wrong guy. In the end, she gets her target. At the end of the day, what are you going to tell us? It's a binge. I'd say binge it, season one. I wasn't so crazy about season two, but if there's going to be season three, I'd be back for it. So I'm going to give it a binge. And coming up, we're going to be looking at Empress, which is a beautiful German series about Empress Elizabeth. Which makes uh, Downton Abbey look like it was set in a gardener's cottage. (laughs) Exactly. And also Gloria, which is a very interesting uh, Portuguese series Mm -hmm. set during the Cold War. And A Place to Call Home, which is a charming Australian series, uh, actually set post-war in Australia. And we'll pick up where we left yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. And check us out on, you know, Google, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. And next week, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>